When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Ida, and Ida was in an abusive relationship with a controlling narcissist. It's a story of isolation, brainwashing, and finding a support system in the aftermath of abuse. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of narcissistic abuse. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before we get to our episode with Ida, I just want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you want to be on our show, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there is a button that says Guest Form. Press that button and you'll come to this whole entire new area. In that area, just kind of fill out that Guest Form, press the button to send. It'll come to me in my email box and then we'll start a back and forth. Uh, so please, if you want to be part of our show, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and click on the guest form page. And what else do I have here for you at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses? We are now offering high conflict parenting courses because we have partnered with a company called Online Parenting. And many of those courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen You'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court, and now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And what else? Uh, if you are looking for a coach or a therapist to help you through your narcissistic abuse in the aftermath of abuse, if you're currently in the situation right now, please do go to abusetherapy.org. Yes, that is abusetherapy.org. Using abusetherapy.org also helps support the show. Uh, 
And do you know what else helps support the show? Yes, we have many things that help support the show. Our Patreon. Yes, we started a Patreon. If you want to hear episodes that never made it to air, follow up episodes with former guests and much, much more, join our Patreon. I'm about to add a couple of things this week. Uh, today, right after I finish doing this little intro here. So we are releasing new content on there every week. So help support the show. Become a patron of our Patreon at patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. And that's it. I'm not going to go into the YouTube or Instagram this week because do you know what? Let's just get to the show. I'll fill you in on that next week. I had a lot of exciting stuff with that. And next by, by the time next week uh, comes around... Uh, I would have made a, a bunch of things for these uh, actual channels. So I'll be able to direct you there so you can actually see something instead of me sending you to a blank page. But now I'm rambling, everyone. I'm rambling, as I do always. I'm going to get out of my way and your way. Here is my conversation with Ida. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This week with me, I have Ida. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and thank you for having me. Well, uh, thank you for being here today, and as always, I'm going to get out of my way and your way. The floor is now yours. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, I just wanted to explain a little bit like where I came from because I, as I'm a, I'm an only child. I didn't have any brothers or sisters, but I had like my parents had a, a lot of um, brothers and sisters who had kids and they're my cousins and we kind of grew up like very close together. Um, so they sort of acted like my brothers and sisters and it, everything was very safe, very small town in the middle of Norway. Uh, my mom has always been very strong and, you know, independent and has her own businesses. My father was working like electrician, but big company. He was like teaching other kids how to perform different tasks and light and design and stuff like that. And I grew up, you know, being the only girl in my neighborhood. And I was literally like the only girl in my class, uh, you know, like when you're a kid. So... I was very much a tomboy growing up and I knew how to, you know, ride dirt bikes and motorcycles and I can change a car tire and I was never scared of like, you know, getting dirt under my nails and all that kind of stuff. But when I got older, I started getting a little bit like attention from the boys and we had to like switch schools because my parents wanted me to be more like involved in girls, not, you know, in that way, but like as kids, it's probably more healthy to have like, you know, some girls and guys as friends, not only to grow up and be a boy. <laughs> so they did that for me, uh, which turned out great. And I started, you know, modeling. And then because we came from a very small town in the middle, middle of Norway, um, I moved to Oslo, which is the capital of Norway. Um, so it's a bigger city. And I've, I'm going to count it from there on. That's like when my life sort of like started because you're done with school, you graduated, you're, you're just studying a new chapter. So I was modeling for this, um, you can say it was a big agency in Norway at the time. And I started, you know, going out a lot and, uh, 
I had a boyfriend at the time. Everything was great. Um, started working in nightlife. So I was working at the time also on the side as a bartender in one of the biggest clubs in Oslo. And it was very, you know, we had so much fun. And I was always so happy and so energetic and had a lot of good friends. And my life was very, you know, stable for, for being that young. I think at the time I must have been maybe 19 years old, 20 years old, something like that. Anyway, fast forward, I moved to Sweden. Uh, I started modeling in Sweden and I did a lot of, you know, television and commercials and magazines and all this stuff. And then I went to Las Vegas and I was there. I was working in the casinos there. I had literally having the time of my life and, and, um, came back to Sweden and then, um, I got offered this job in Dubai for Fashion TV Arabia, and it was the dream job where I could come down, be in the UAE, and just do what I love to do, which is presenting on TV and you know interviewing celebrities on the red carpet and having all this so much fun and just you know doing what I wanted to do. So, so for I'm all, doing all this. intents and purposes, up until this point, you have lived a normal childhood. You came from like a you know a regular home that you didn't have you know any issues at kind of at all going into this because there's a lot of people out there because we have a mixture of people on the show where you yeah. know they, they came from a certain uh, childhood and they came with stuff kind of going in. And for you, I just want everyone like there are there are a lot of people out there that you know don't have these uh you know a lot of people think everyone going into these things is, is codependent you had none of of, Ex- of that stuff exactly yeah i was i was very fortunate like i had a mom and a dad who just loved me so unconditionally you know my mom always taught me you know like don't take any shit from anyone and you know if someone treats you bad or looks at you the wrong way you step up and you tell them where their place is and you know like just she was always like do everything with a kind heart and be strong and right this is right and this is wrong and you know this is how it should be and this is you know and my my growing up my i i grew up to see a loving father and a loving mother and how they were together towards each other not just like husband and wife but best friends and you know i had a very very good and strong childhood and i think what's later on like what what makes this story a little bit um I, I, what what was sad for me was that you know when i was little my mom she used to work as a volunteer in a women's crisis women and children's crisis center for domestic abuse and you know and she would always tell me not in detail what she saw when she was there, obviously, but she would always tell me, you know, if, for example, this happens, you need to promise me that you take your your bag and you run. You don't need all material stuff. You just take what you, you know, what you can grab and you run. Nobody ever will lay a finger on you. Like, this is my mentality growing up, you know, so I was very strong and very you know, I think I had everything under control and I you know, I would never meet a guy that could ever allow uh, him to treat me that way. You, you had a very so, good, strong sense of self uh, going exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so so it was 
all of the women in my family was very, you know, very strong and very respected and mutual respect going both ways between the women and the men and and it, just very safe and secure, I guess you can say. So um, it was that was just like amazing. I always I could all I knew that I can always call my mom. I can always call my aunt. I can always call my cousin. I can talk to my friends for for anything, no matter what, no matter where I'm in the world, they will always be there. So, um, yeah. So I came from that, you know, very stable and arriving in Dubai. And this is, you know, when I arrived in Dubai, that's 11 years ago now. Um, and I was literally feeling so good. Everything, nothing could stop me. And I was living the dream and everything's so fine. And then a couple of years later, uh, <laughs> I'm at work at this um, nightclub that I was working at uh, at the time. And um, this was in 2013 uh, that I first met him. And um, yeah, like I said, I was working with Nightlife uh, as a marketing manager. And there was an event we had. We always had events because that was my my job. Uh, and he came there and he had his eyes on me the entire evening and very charming and very, you know, he got my attention and very flirtatious and all of that. And at the end of the, that evening, uh, this is when he first spoke to me. He, um, invited me for a, a date and I, I just felt, I think at the time I was just like, wow, this is, wow. <laughs> you know, guys in Norway are not like this. <laughs> they're not, they're not so direct and they, they're not, they treat you a different way. They're very, you know, shy. And so this was very new to me that someone is so not aggressive, but very, you know, direct when they're talking to me. And uh, I wasn't used to that. I was very blown away by, and I think I found it a little bit sexy that it was like, wow, this guy knows what he wants. And you know, a part of me was like, I'm going to just go for it because if I'm, if I don't do something new and fun, like I might end up re regretting it, you know? So I went on a date with him. Um, uh, and, uh, <laughs> we found out that we had apartments in the same building in Dubai at the time. So it's it's like a 50 story building so it's like lots of people living there but of all the people in the world i meet this guy and he has an apartment in the same building where i have my apartment but i found out later he was living there with his ex-girlfriend uh which is what he told me but i don't think he i don't think she was his ex at the time i think that he was still dating her and that relationship was ending and then i was like his new uh, target. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, it went on very casually for a while. He told me about his ex, that he was living with his ex in my building and that, you know, she eventually moved out. He was saying all these things that his ex was crazy and jealous and she never left him alone. And these are his words, like say, telling me all these things. And I felt at the time, you know, oh, my God, I feel sorry for you. Like, it's your apartment. She's kidnapped your apartment. And, she, you know, you can stay with me for a while, you know, if you guys can't stay together. Um, 
so he would come and spend more time with me. And when he was not with me, he was with his mom, which is like normal in the Arabic world that their kids are with the family until they're married, so to speak. Um, and then uh, we we just it got serious a little bit after that. We decided um, the weekend after he invited me out for a date. Um, me and my friends were going with him and his friends to a beach club. And, of course, there was alcohol involved. It was sort of like a day party kind of thing. And we had a great time until he got drunk and his whole character changed. This is the first time um, that I could see that there might be a problem here. And he started pulling me and grabbing me and giving me orders, you know, to not talk to any other guys or not even say hi to old friends of mine that I've known way before his time. Um, and at the time, you know, I, I didn't take that at the time. I got really pissed off with him. I took my friends and packed my bags and I hauled a taxi and we left the place. But of course, he followed me out to the parking lot, uh, to this area where we were waiting for the taxi and then he followed us and he was crying and begged me to stay this whole, you know, that it was like, I should feel sorry for him for leaving, but he was the one being an, uh, asshole. <laughs> so yeah, I got in the car with my friends and we left, but this was the first time like, I was, I remember I was so shocked that because no one has ever treated me this way before no one has ever you know pulled at me or talked down to me in this way or at least not even in front of my friends or the whole beach club you know in for that matter um so the next day he's acting like nothing happened and he sent me like the biggest bouquet of flowers i have ever seen um and it had a card that he was so sorry and he never ever acts this way usually and that he just got drunk and for me to please forgive him and which I did. And meanwhile, um, my mother, like I said, who is very strong and always, you know, taught me all my life that if anyone ever disrespects me or lowers my standards, they're not ever worthy of my attention, especially if they hurt or scared me. So literally from an like this early stage in this relationship, I had this in my mind not to take any shit, you know? And I was like, oh, wait, what just happened? Because at this stage, I didn't even know, like, oh, wait, are we dating or we're not dating? Are we serious? Because we never really discussed it. It was just like a given that we're together. Your mind, like we are, we are a couple, but it just sort of like escalated into becoming like that. And then, um, um, a few weeks later, I guess we were kind of like in dating officially then. And he's just switched. He seemed like the nicest guy ever. All my friends loved him. He was very generous. He spoiled me big time. And he cares about, like, this is, a, he really cares about appearances. And he was, he, he was acting like he was proud to have me. But I think he was I think to him, it was more like I was like this door that could open a lot of other opportunities for him in a way because everybody knew me and they didn't know him. So I literally had access to all of these things in Dubai, you know, where, you know, whether it's events or clubs you can't get into, whatever. Like he, I think he used me as a, 
A stepping stone. Yes, a stepping stone to, you know, for him to look good. And all this time he made me feel like, wow, he's really proud of me. He's he's happy to have me and all that. Like, that's how I, you know, in my head, I was like, this is great. This is, you know, you know, all of these other things were, were forgotten at that time. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And... um so, so was, my, was the love bombing so extreme that at that point yeah. you were hooked and was it like a continuous love bombing at that point? It, yes, yes. It was – it, it took me – I don't know how many – I, I guess you can call it like as if you're watching a boxing match because there's rounds and, you know, like it just starts and everything is fine and then you're – it's everybody's talking about these eggshells. And I honestly, I didn't even know what walking on eggshells was until I met him because he was like – he was so generous and he spoiled me so much. Like he cared about me and there was flowers. And, and then all of a sudden, like it could be the smallest little thing. Like I had an episode where, where he was, you know, he came to see me and he was walking my dog and he had his cell phone in the same hand where the leash was. And the dog started running because the dog saw a cat or something. And I wasn't out with him walking this dog at the time. But he came up to the apartment and he was so pissed. His eyes were pitch black. And his phone was broken. And I was like, what happened? And he was like, your dog started running and, and the leash got strained. And then the, the phone popped out of my hand and it's your fault. My phone is broken. Like he, had, he threw a tantrum because... You know, his phone was broken. I was so, like, j- that was the first time I got really scared of him because I, th- this person in front of me that's throwing a tantrum and yelling, and, I mean, I wasn't even there, so I don't know. Like, he was just, he changed completely. And, um, you know, he, so he left, and I, I remember that that was the first time I cried. He He left, like, he slammed the door and he left, and I was just like... I didn't. I couldn't comprehend what was happening. I was. I was just like, what? Ha- like what happened? And you know, I, I. I didn't know if it was adrenaline that I felt, but my chest was pumping so hard, and I had tears in my eyes, and I. I felt like I couldn't breathe because, one, I just felt like this is completely nuts. It's so unfair what just happened, and he's yelling at me, blaming me, making me feel like shit, and you know, it's his fault you know and it's just a dog like how can you i had so many questions at that time i just uh i didn't know what what to do with my feelings or how to handle that moment and then he i think after that time he put me on silent treatment for like maybe three or four days or something which i remember was like the worst three or four days of my life because i didn't understand what i did (laughs) so I, I remember I felt so bad, but at the same time, the relationship was kind of new. So it didn't, I mean, it bothered me because it's weird that someone is reacting this way. But at the same time, I was like, oh, well, you know, if, if if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. So whatever. I, I was a little bit like that. But then he just, he kept coming back. And again, like he's showing me off. I took him again to all of my events with all the VIPs and celebrities. It was very, you know, Dubai is very, you know, like fancy with all the glitter. And it's like a um, dream world in in a way. It's not real, but it's it's fun when you're in there, right? And we go out and we have all like a great time. We're smiling. We're looking good. And we, I mean, we looked good together at the time and... 
Of course, also there was an episode just after this when I got pregnant and it was it was not planned and I knew already then that I didn't want to have a baby with him because it was so unstable and it's just really early and especially with someone that I didn't really know, you know, that well. Uh, and it just, it didn't feel right. So, um, I went to Sweden and I uh, had an abortion and it was done and we never really spoke about that again until maybe two years later, he threw that in my face, uh, and another thing, but, um, he would say things like, uh, you will regret not having our baby and you would have been a lousy mother anyway. You don't deserve me. And it was just like all these like, um, like really nasty comments that would he would throw at me out of nowhere. I would just, I could literally be like making breakfast and he would see something that would just tick him off and he would, he would just like be really mad and it, he would just like legit start throwing comments out like that. But more so into our relationship, he started changing and he would just become more aggressive and angry and the yelling and the screaming and very controlling and make some jealousy into there and at the a little way down further the further down the line he stripped me from my job uh so that I became totally dependent on him I didn't I didn't realize it at the time but he would come with come at me with comments like he would be like on a good day he would be like babe you know we are so good together and you know you shouldn't be working in nightlife because it makes us look so bad you know you're better than that you're better than these nightlife people and I can't have a girlfriend that works in nightlife because it's it's just trash that works in nightlife and you're much better like he would I didn't leave my job just like that. This is like after months after him repeatedly telling me these things. So did until you, did I just, you did you eventually leave because of the pressure or because you eventually believed what he was saying? I believed what he was saying. He I there he made me feel like he wasn't pressuring me, but he made me feel that it was a bad status to be working in nightlife and I like he made me feel like you're better than that, babe. You're better than that. You don't need to work in nightlife. You're so much better. You can do so much better. And, but at the same time, he's saying all these things. I'm like, wow, like, I, I don't know, like totally brainwashed. And like, yeah, he, he makes a point. Like he's like, at that time and place, I was so, um, Everything he said to me was just like, okay, okay, I will do that. Yeah, you know, I don't. It was not me. And um, is is a distinction that could be made here is that you were made to feel like you could be better, or like there's a better opportunities out there. Where in in fact, in his mind, he was looking at it from the point of view of um, looking down on you. <laughs> Uh, a combination okay. of him looking down on me and what what is his friends and family going to think if he's together with a girl that comes from nightlife and has, a, you know, a big habit of, you know, drinking and partying and, you know, he can't be with a party girl and all of those kind of things. And he made me feel like it's an embarrassment at the end of the day. But he made me also forget that that's how he met me. And I wasn't strong enough to stick up to him at that time and be like, hey, you know what, like you, you know, 
I, you met me in nightlife. I, I know everyone. Everybody knows me. Just deal with it. Instead, I just became this little doll who was just like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe, I don't know. And I was always, you know, so worried about money. I was so worried financially, like, how am I going to make it without a job? Like, I just, you know, no one can make it without a job. How are you going to pay for rent and food and bills and all these things that is necessarily for, you know, you need this to have a life. How can it, you know... He was like, no, you'll get like, I'll give you, I'll give you money. And I don't know, like I just, I fell for it. And um, that's what happened. I quit my job and I became totally dependent on him. And he would come and he would like give me a little bit of money here and there. He was like, but the moment that happened, you know, all the jealousy came out. It was like, he bought me at that time because I didn't have any excuse then to like, okay, I'm going to work or I'm going out with my colleagues or I have an event or I, right there. And then I didn't realize it at the time, but when he literally made me leave my work, although later argued that I did it willingly, it was also literally him getting, gaining control of me like a hundred percent because I can't, you know, if I'm going out, I go out with him, but why would I go out with my other friends? Like, how am I going to pay for drinks or food with my friends if I don't have a job? Like he's the one supplying for me, you know? So that was, um, that was really, really hard. I, I don't think I ever felt so worthless at the time that I felt when, when that happened. And, um, so I have, I have one question. You, you talked yeah. earlier about the silent treatment the first time it happened. And, and, yeah, that. And uh, you know, you said at that point that you, um, you know, you you were you were still mixed in the sense of you had this kind of sense of self still, and but you still kind of uh, felt bad. At what point did that sense of self um, within that silent treatment actually kind of go away and your attachment style, which you came in with a secure one, eventually became, I assume, an anxious uh, attachment? Yeah. So I, like I said before, a very close relationship to my mom and my best friends in Norway and Sweden. So obviously every time we had a bad circle of everything is great and eggshells and big fight and I'm crying and I'm upset and shocked for everything that he's done and we argue and silent treatment, this vicious circle, every time that would happen, I would, you know, call my mom, I would cry, I would tell her everything that happened, I would tell my friends everything that happened and it just reached a point that this bad circle would happen so many times that some of my friends, they didn't want to hear it's from me anymore because I think at some point they also got fed up of telling me you have to leave him. You know, what's wrong with you? You can't, how can you take all this shit? You were always the one telling us not to do with shit. And now here you are. And I felt at the time that, you know, I'm so embarrassed. I can't tell them anymore, you know, what's happening. So at, at the time I'm in this mess so deep and I can't get out. Like I'm drowning and Still, I'm there. I wasn't strong enough to leave and all this mess started happening. And I just, I stopped telling my friends and my family what was actually going on. And I think that's when I lost my, myself, like how I was feeling strong and I felt lonely, but also embarrassed. And I couldn't 
reached out to anyone because I felt like nobody understood me. At this time, I didn't even know what a narcissist was. I, I thought it was something wrong with me at that time. Although a part of me was like, I know nothing is wrong with me and I know the situation is wrong. But then the moment he walks in that door, it's like there's a switch. It's just like, oh, my body becomes stiff. And I'm just like, I, you know, I, I never know when it's going to explode again, you know. So I think that's what what happened. And um, it went on for a very, very long time. And uh, we had um, another episode. I was in Stockholm and uh, for the Stockholm Pride Festival uh, some years ago. And then he was trying to call me and he was calling me from Dubai. And he's like, uh so angry he just called me to scream at me because then he's been on google and he's found all these like photos of me from tv shows and magazines that i've done and he had like some sort of like mental breakdown but he was furious and he was like how do you think i can present you to my family when when you were like half naked all over the internet and he was just blowing up my phone for stuff that's been my life for like the past 15 years of my life and i'm like there's we're not we're not talking porn or nudity we're talking you know like glamour magazines like fhm or these kind of things and i'm just like whoa that was my life that's my life that that's that that was my job before i met you how can you even you know so he ruined the entire that weekend he ruined that weekend for me because obviously we're not in the same country and I'm supposed to be in Sweden having fun with my friends. And then the moment I'm landing, he has to call me to like mess up my entire mood and ruin my weekend. And he did that a lot of times, every time he would call all the time. And, you know, if there was some other people around, even, you know, my friends around male friends around, he would just, if it was some male friends that he'd never heard a name of before, you know, he would just be very, he would come up with some other stuff, make up a reason for why I need to go home. Or it was just, it was just very controlling and very unhealthy at that time. And we had, a um, after this, we decided that we were going to go all of my friends and all of his friends to Ibiza for, for a week uh, for a summer holiday and he was booking like I said he was always very generous and in in the eye of everybody else he was very you know charming and people didn't know what he was like when I was alone with him but in front of everyone else he was you know prince charming and so wow you know and we were out in Ibiza in a nightclub there and I see some other friends of mine from Norway and it was this girl and her husband and her girlfriend and her boyfriend and I see them and I'm super happy to see them so I go and I you know I hug her and I say hi to him and all that I come back to the table and he has that look on his face again when his eyes just turn black it's like it's I'm looking at Satan it was just complete darkness in his face and he yells at me because in his mind like he's delusional at this time he got it in his mind that my friend's husband grabbed my ass when I said hello to him so he takes me and so he was he was a very 
like very strong guy, very strong, muscly and tall. And at that time I was very petite. Um, and he just took me and he threw me over the glass table because it was like tables next to each other in the club. And we had one section and it was the other table next to us was empty and he threw me on that table. So the glass and everything just broke. And I'm there. Like, I'm so shocked. I, again, I'm having a moment like I can't breathe. Like I'm so shocked. Like what happened now? Like I don't get it. He's punishing me for something that I haven't done. There's nothing like I really I was so shocked. So me and my girlfriends, luckily I, I didn't I didn't hurt myself. Um, but we went home to our house, went to sleep and he came home, he got in bed with me. And at that time he's like starting to demand that I'm going to have sex with him. And I'm like, are you fucking out of your mind? And then again, he started to be angry because I didn't want to have sex with him. And this became a, an issue later on as well, because I think I figure out that he had some sort of sex addiction or something because it was constantly all the time asking for sex all the time, all the time. And in the beginning it was great. I was like, wow, this is amazing. We're having a great time. But after, you know, months with this form of like, um, mental abuse, I was just, you know, not in the mood. You just threw me over a glass table in the club in front of everyone and he he was acting like he didn't remember it. And then he became like so sweet and so nice. He would say stuff like, babe, you know, no, that didn't happen. I, that did not happen. That you had a nightmare. Like, why, why are you being so distant with me? This is not real. You were, and he was coming at me that I'm delusional. And then he would start yelling. He would be yelling at this point, waking everybody up in the house. Like, you are so boring. You are not good for anything. All you have is your body and your face and nobody wants you. And I can't even, you, he was very verbally and rude and not nice to deal with like this time. And it was other people in the house. Everybody heard everything. And I just remember feeling so ashamed and even more so. I wondered, why is his friends not saying anything to him about his behavior? It was like his male friends were scared of him as well. It was so bizarre, the whole thing. And we had another episode when we were, and this is when it sort of like towards the end. Uh, well, they're minor episodes, but one there's two really big episodes where... Where we went to Marbella in Spain, and uh, he was he was in uh, this was another year later, and he was in Ibiza with his friends, and me and my girls we went to Marbella, and we all they, they, him and his friends were going to come meet up with us in Marbella after. So he arrives in Marbella, and then you know he comes into my room, and his suitcase is all there, and the next day we're chilling by the pool. I go up to the room, and obviously. It's, light in the in the room and the sun is up and all that i see in his suitcase there is like parts of hair extension in his suitcase and it, like i kid me it was like a jar of condoms like it was just like probably like 200 condoms like singles like just all over and hair extensions and i'm just like he's been obviously he's been in, in ibiza and he's been cheating on me and there is you know, here is like hard evidence right here. And 
I confronted him about this and he just came up with this, the saddest little story ever, which was like, no, you know, we were late for the airport and I just had to grab all of my stuff. And I took all the stuff that was on my bed and my friend, he was sleeping in my room and I don't know what's happened there, but all the boys had condoms with them because you, you know, you never know. And it was not mine. It's not mine. I swear it was the others. And, and I'm like, what about the hair extensions? Like you, you don't need hair extensions. Like how the fuck did this hair extension end up in your luggage you were only guys there like how can this i couldn't understand so i was i was very you know pissed off at the time because i knew that my intent my gut feeling is the the right thing like this is what i have it right here in front of me like what the fuck and still he was just like oh don't ruin this for anyone we can talk about this later blah 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 and i didn't want to ruin the holiday for everybody else i was just like Letting it go once again, uh, of course, I was pissed and all that. And again, the whole thing with the love bombing and flowers and I'm sorry and expensive gifts and, you know, don't be mad and all that. He was like, I swear on my mother's life that nothing happened. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So that was really awful. And then we got, we left Marbella to go to the airport. And then me and him were supposed to go to Budapest from there. And he starts picking a fight with me at the airport. Um, and he told me, don't fucking come to Budapest. I don't want you there. You're disgusting. I remember when he when he would scream at me and call me disgusting. He would like that was the one word that really sat with me. Um, he could call me any other word of the book. But when he called me disgusting, I was like, whoa, you know what? Like this. It, this is not good. I, I, I don't know if that's when I was really like really hurt. Isn't that weird that I get hurt? I, I, there's so many other words, but this is the word that hit me hardest. It's so bizarre. Um, Did you ever kind of in therapy do a deep dive on why specifically that word uh, triggered you? No, uh, I never, I never, went to therapy and I never had, uh, I had a, I had, I'm very thankful that I had a very strong support system around me, but obviously during this time I didn't have that. I mean, I had it, but at this, at this stage in the relationship, I, we already exceeded the amount of times that I felt it was okay to come to my friends and family. And then to once again, complain about him and tell them how sad I am and that I'm crying and that he was mean again and what happened and worry my mom and worry, worry my friends about anything. So, but at this time, I mean, I, 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 I have no idea. So I never really worked on my, um, inner emotions mm -hmm. on that way. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I didn't go to Budapest and, I came back to Dubai and he's calling me constantly from Budapest and like crying on the phone. And like, he was telling me like, I got so sad when you didn't come to the airplane. Like, I really thought, I didn't think that you could do this. You of all people, I never thought that you would abandon me like this. And I was just like, you told me not to come. You told me to fuck off. You, you know, I went and I booked my own ticket back home and I just, I went and so believe it or not, once again, he books a ticket for me to go to Budapest and 
what do I do? I get on the airplane and I go there to see him. And when I arrive, I go to the hotel and I find him in the shower where he's OD'd. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And turns out that the night before he's been out in Budapest doing so much drugs that he he like he was sitting on the floor in the, in the shower having a cold shower and I couldn't get him up like I had to call an ambulance like that's how bad it was was it like and, cocaine um, uh it was MDMA okay so he, he did that know, much that he was passed out in the shower yeah yeah he was sitting or I don't know exactly Cause, cause what he's done you, but you I know can't that go to sleep he wasn't asleep, but he was just sitting there like yeah. he couldn't breathe and he was overheating and he was just like so knocked out of it. Like I couldn't get him to stand up. So I'm just assuming that's what it is because that's what he uh, would do other times. Mm-hmm. So um, and um, and so he he came back from the hospital and then he was like fine. And that weekend just continued as normal, like just like nothing happened. And uh, we went back to Dubai, and I think that was like we agreed literally that we are not going to be together anymore. And that's this is the moment when things got really dangerous because he never in his mind would have thought that I had enough, I think, and this was enough for me. And, uh, you know, he was, he would always get into trouble and he would, he would, like one time we were out and he, he once he picked up a glass bottle and threw it in some dude's face and the guy had like a scar across his face, you know, and the guy had to get like stitches in his face. And, and, you know, my boyfriend at the time, he was like, uh, come on, babe, let's go home. Like nothing happened. Ice cold, like nothing happened. And we went home and the police shows up at the door. And he's asking me to lie to the police, to to tell the police that he's been with me in my apartment all night. And I can't do that. I'm not going to go to jail for him. Like in Dubai, they have top-notch security, CCTV all over the place. Of course, they already knew when before they... How do you think they know that he was in my house? Because they they follow the movement, right? So he had to go in. He was arrested. But his father was a judge and... Uh, he he got he got out after like a day or two or something so that was you know something that also scared me and after that time we didn't have a lot of contact until occasionally now i'm single and he's single but then occasionally when he's drinking in the middle of the night he will show up at my door and he would hammer my door down with his fists until security in my building would come and like remove him from my door and this would only make him angrier right so the next morning i would have like hundreds of messages from him starting from actually i still i still have all of these messages because i i would take a screenshots of everything and send it to my friends also like injuries on my body or or threats that he would send to me and all of those kind of things i would uh, save it and send it to my friends just in case something would happen to me. At least my family would know, you know, what, what happened. So this, at this point I started getting really scared for my life because he would 
bang down the door. He would like hammer the door down. If he would see me in public when I'm out with other people and he's drunk, he would come at me and like cause a scene. I had to like throw him, like kick him off me and throw him off me so many times. I had to like make statements. I had to tell the security in the building where I lived that like he cannot be here. But the problem is in, in the UAE is that you're not, you're, you're not technically allowed to live with someone if you're not married to them. And so technically I never lived with him, but because he had an apartment in the same building where I lived, it was very hard for the security there to know like which floor he was going to, like, was he going to my floor or his own floor? Like they never knew that. So it was very, very difficult to, to keep him away. And, um, it reached to a stage where I, I had to move. I had to rent out my apartment and move somewhere else. And I, I told my friends that they, they can never, ever, ever tell anyone where I'm living. Um, because I didn't want him to know. I didn't, I didn't want him to show up at my, my other friend's house and destroy property or cars or anything like that. Because he was the type of guy where he would, if he's angry enough, he just sees black and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's out of control and he will destroy windows and furniture and he will throw things and he, you know, he, he could probably kill the dog if the dog was there at the wrong time. And I don't think I've ever been so scared of another human being in my life. Like I was of him at that time. And the only way that it, first it got really bad because I'm keeping, trying to keeping the no contact and, uh, he was just, it, I think the whole no contact thing made it worse for a while because it just made him very angry because now it was me leaving him mm. in a way. It wasn't him leaving me. And um, I don't know, it went a couple of months and then he wouldn't leave me alone. And uh, I agreed to see him for coffee. And... One thing led to another, and I somewhat started seeing him again. And this is when I already told my family that I am not seeing him anymore. I'm done with him, 100% done with him. Um, I'm done. So, uh, you know, I, I had a question that I guess pertained uh, will pertain to this as well, but uh, from earlier – Within the context of the relationship, you know, we talk about on the show in, in, in the narcissistic abuse world of fear, obligation, and guilt. So in, in in your case, what were I, you know, besides the love bombing that was happening, what was the biggest factor of um, you um, uh, s- staying uh, within the relationship uh, were you out of fear? Out of, were you felt guilt a lot if you were to leave? Um, so, so what was like the biggest thing that was like, keeping you around that he was doing, or the tactics that were being used? Yeah, I. So after, after every circle of arguments and leaving and breakups and all of that, I was 
I was terrified of not making it on my own. Like, how am I going to survive? I have no money. How am I going to pay for my apartment and my bills? I have no money. I have no job. How Nobody will hire me because I am worthless. I am not. I am not worthy of a job. I, 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 I don't have, he made me feel like I, like I don't have any skills that I am stupid, that nobody would want me, that nobody, that n- nobody will love me the way that he loves me. And I cannot survive without him. So, so I guess like those moments when there were silent treatment after we've broken up and left it for a couple of days, these are the thoughts that are going in my head that, you, you know, like I, the, the circle was always like, you know, I, I got, I think I was addicted to him in a way like this, the feeling of like when everything is amazing, it's when things are good, everything is amazing and great. And, and and then when when it's when it's bad it's to, it's hell it's hell on earth and all you want to do when it's bad is to try to go back to being happy again so at that time i'm just like trying to do everything i can to make him happy to be sorry to fix things to to not lose him because he was my life support in a way it's so weird when i'm talking about it right now well, you, 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 as I say with, you know, because I always relate things to drugs because, you know, I was a drug Yeah, addict. it is. I, it I is, say, no, like, you're, you're, you know, when you're in the depths of the hell of uh, drug addiction, you're always trying to get that first high again and how it yeah. felt the first way. So, yes, you, you know, because yes. you're, you're here, you came in into this, you know, you know, sure of yourself, a secure person, secure in everything you're doing. You're a young, yeah. you're a young person who has already done very well for themselves, has lived a life in a sense, and was a very responsible young person making their own money, uh, confident in who they are. And now you are a shadow of who you are. You feel that you are worthless. Your worth seems to be coming from them or from this person. Um, Your financial, uh, he's taken away your financial stability and made you feel like you can't get any work. Uh, that you won't be yep. able to make it in the world. Uh, I mean, you've now gone from, um, you know, a pillar of stability to um, being in your mind, you know, from the outside, I'm sure that everyone else would probably feel like, oh, this is the most stable person in the world. Uh, yeah, but, exactly. but you have been made to believe that you have zero stability at all. And yeah. uh, at that point, he, did you question um, yeah, yeah, I like did. I questioned. You were questioned. Crazy. I questioned that I was crazy. I questioned that I was not worthy. I was literally because uh, referring back to my mom, she was always telling me, you know, if you are not the problem, she she would be like, you are not the problem. You are not crazy. This, you know, in your heart, what's right and wrong. You know that this is not good for you. And I, I have this like thoughts in my head that's going like, you know, this is not right. This is not right. But, but still I would like snap and be like, come on. Like there's, there's this other like voice going like, well, come on. Like you, who do you think you are? Like, you can't do shit. Like you can't even hold this man. And you know, he loves you and he's, you know, you are the piece of shit and you are the problem and you are, 
you know, I was questioning myself a lot at that time. I, you know, when we were not together, I felt like I was drowning when I left him. Like I couldn't breathe. I had panic attacks and I, I, I was sleep deprived. I couldn't sleep properly. I had nightmares. I, I lost so much weight. Uh, when I was with him, like he would, he would call me fat and ugly, even if I was 55 kilos at the time. I don't know how much that is in pounds. Like, let's say like 110 pounds or whatever. And I'm tall. So it's like, that's not, that's not an ideal weight for me. And I remember like my, um, my thighs were as thick as my legs. You know, it it was just, and even at that time, I was, I, I still thought that I'm not good enough. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me. I can't live up to his standards. Like he, he, yeah, he made me question a lot of things and especially with myself and thinking that I was a problem in everything and everything was my fault, of course. So I interrupted you there when I asked that question, we were about to discuss, um, you know, you were, you, you're now back in the relationship. Yeah. So what was, uh, I guess the biggest key thing, uh, was it guilt that made you get back or did you feel, did you get that loving feeling and now you're back? Uh, it was a little bit of guilt and then it was a little bit of the feeling that, okay, of course the love bombing, but it was a little bit of that. He made me believe that I, I can't live without him. So who's going to take care of me? Who was going to pay for me who was going to support me that was him because he's not going to have a girlfriend that would work that could you know be in the past so again he's doing this whole new thing like what but in a this time he was doing it in a happy way like like baby come here of course you're not going to be working of course i will take care of you no matter no matter how much we're fighting you know i always love you and everything's going to be okay don't leave me it's going to be okay like this was him at that time mm-hmm. when he when he knew that i've sort of left and i actually you know i left that time and that was him getting me back there onwards It just got worse. It just got so much worse. He would, you know, he would come home from work. He would call me names, like loads of names all the time. Um, Especially when he was drinking. He was another person when he was drinking. He, He would become so angry with everything. And he would just keep repeating all the same things that, that, that I knew that bothered him from my past, which he would bring up now. And this is like, for example, when the thing with the pregnancy came up and other things like stuff that I've told him in confidence that, you know, things that hurt me in, in my life that I shared with him, he would now use against me. Um, so from this point onwards, it was, it just got really bad. It got really, really bad. Like the the abuse got worse. The verbal abuse got worse. I, I was losing weight. I, I didn't recognize myself at all. I was, I, I was not, I didn't have any, I didn't have any life in my soul at that time. I feel my mom even told me like, she could like see pictures of me and she would like, I can see that this is you, but you're not there, if that makes sense. So all of of that was really, really fucked up. But 
after that, I mean, now it's, you know, over. So in total, this was a, this was a, a duration of like three years, give or take. And, and I had, a, I had a very hard time finding back to, to life and work and normal things after this, because I lost myself and I don't know who I was anymore. And I mean, I knew who I was, but I didn't have the fire. Like I said, the fire that was there, I didn't have that there. And I reached, uh, just I reached a point where I was dead inside. And he he ruined my sex life forever. And I think like until, until this day, I, I I don't enjoy sex. I can't, I don't enjoy sex in a way like, oh, okay, sex is great. Sex is supposed to be like awesome, right? Now I'm just like, oh, I'd rather not. Because there's just so many memories about the things like that I, I would feel I would feel forced to do and I mean I have another story that would happen like if I don't know you can cut it out if you want uh, but well I, I be, like, before we uh, get into that because you bring up uh, the memories and early you were, you were talking about uh, nightmares um, yeah so uh, do you still have issues with uh, flashbacks of the relationship and maybe flashbacks of feeling uh, shame about certain things where like it just hits you out of nowhere and it kind of knocks you back or anything along those lines? Um, I used to. I used to have a lot of that before. Like right now, because I, I think like today in 2020, I can like cross my heart. I can say that I, I've got myself back. I'm happy again. I'm strong again and all that. But but it took a very long time to to you know, get stabilized again, if I can call it like that. But yeah, I did have, I did have flashbacks. Like I would hear, you know, uh, if I was at someone's house and it was like a couple uh, friends of mine and they were a couple and they would like have a minor argument that would trigger it for me. I would, I would feel nervous around them. I'd be so uncomfortable in that situation because you know, in my mind, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know when it's going to explode. And I started cramping up in my throat. Like it's hard to breathe. I just, I can't, that would really stress me out. And it would stress me so much out. Like if I'd been out with my friends and then, you know, I come home and for example, if my doorbell rings in the middle of the night, or if my phone rings in the middle of the night, that would give me anxiety because I would never know if it's him. Although he was like blocked from everything at the end, I would just, I wouldn't know that it, if it was him or not. So I have all these like ghosts in, in my head that always like fucks around with, with this, not anymore, but then yes a lot and um i think you know if i i'm i feel like right now i'm strong enough to for example talk about it and i can guide others and you know i know it's going to be okay but the road to get there is very hard and long and difficult but it's going to be okay eventually but you just have to believe in yourself that you're going to make it and then it's okay right but as far as psychologically um, and the way you were feeling worthless and uh, how you probably weren't capable, uh, in the aftermath of everything, how long did it take for you to um, stop believing the lies that you were being told? 
I think once I got distant from him and that I didn't have to deal with him on a daily basis anymore, I think it probably took me about... I mean, I'm not, not going to lie. It, it probably took me a year, but every day I just, I, every day with no contact, I got better. So the first couple of days, it was really bad because I just felt like, oh my God, I'm dying. I can't breathe. It's like this addiction, you know? And then people would talk to me and be like, you're going to be okay and you can come and you can work here and you, you know, we, we're going to help you and we, we are here for you. And I just, I wouldn't believe them. I would not believe what people were telling me. I wouldn't believe anyone. I wouldn't allow anyone to, to tell me anything. If that makes sense. I don't know. But at the moment I was feeling very, very vulnerable and very sad. And I was very ashamed that I didn't talk to my family about anything. And I, I didn't, psychologically, I think I wasn't okay for, for a while until I had proper distance. And as far as trusting men again, um, I guess we won't go deep in, into um, the story, but you did end up getting into a relationship after uh, with someone um, yeah, and can you just briefly kind of tell us um, what happened there? It, it was, it was that was also the worst because here I am coming from this nasty relationship that was so toxic and so messed up for me, and I was so vulnerable that. You know, I just got back on my feet, sort of. I took a job. I was working my ass off. I really tried to to put my life back together, you know, to show people that, you know, I can fall on my feet and I can get back up again and this is fine. And then and then um, about a year later or so, I met this other guy, which at the time, you know, I needed to laugh and I needed to be happy and I thought that I deserved to be happy. And this guy just made me laugh and it was so fun. But again, this is another another type of a uh, monster because he was not the controlling type, but he was the, the lying type where he had a lot of secrets that I did not know about. And he he would put everything in my name and there was rental cars and apartments and house and and, you know, using me for connections and my network and all of that. And in, long story short, it just made me look really bad at the end. And uh, that guy, he was um, a, a scammer. He, he was a, a, con, he, a con artist. You got, con you, artist, you, you, yeah. You, you went yes. from a, a uh, you know, you went from a, a narcissist who was very controlling and manipulative in uh, that sense, within the relationship, but then you you found one who was more into um, you know taking advantage monetarily, um, yeah, and um, would you say would be less interested in the relationship itself, but more about what they could get and then leave you in their dust? Yeah, it was. 
something like that, I guess. But, you know, the funny thing is when I look back at that relationship, I, I, it's like I don't remember how I got there. It's something that was so bad that I think I just suppressed it. And, and when I came out of that, I just, I, I, you know, we're, we're single for a couple of years because I did not trust anyone, didn't trust any guy. It could be anyone. I couldn't, I couldn't. And I was so disappointed and embarrassed and frustrated. And I just, I couldn't believe what had just happened, you know, like with everything. So, and, so, uh, so once you went from that relationship, uh, you were out for a year, you're in the relationship with this guy. I don't know how long that lasts. Um, yeah. Uh, how, and then you get out of that. At that point, uh, do you date again? Uh, where is your trust, uh, I, I guess, in like how is that, I guess, maybe the biggest issue now of, I think, of no, how do I figure out men? Is, I, think, I think now is when I started self-medicating because this is when I started taking into alcohol and I just, I think I, I think, I, I don't know, psychologically, I think I, I was so, I'd been through so much at this time that I started going out more. I started drinking more. I never wanted to go home. I just wanted to stay out and party, party, party all the time. Um, I would drink like previously to this also and throughout the other relationships but not not on this level i i i didn't want to deal with reality or myself or work on myself in a way so my way my way of handling my personal issues was to not handle them and just drink and go out with and be with people and have fun instead of um seeing the problem like it, i probably should have had someone to talk to or to deal with. But my way of dealing with this was to go out, focus on work, never look back and just keep going. And I, I, uh, yeah, I was a heavy drinker after that. And, uh, eventually, uh, did that come to a head? Sorry. Eventually did that come to have to come to a screeching halt? Like, did no, it become no, no. too bad? It it became, I mean, it became to a point where I started getting worried about my intake and I, I stopped for a while and I, uh, everything sort of like fell back to control, but I think I, I started like sort of somewhat dating again, but I wasn't dating to meet a guy and settle down. I was dating to, I mean, I had so much anger in, in me, I think after a while that I, I, I was, I think I was abusing myself after this. I was like, I was angry all the time. I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a fuck about anyone. I, I didn't care what people were saying. I just, I just went out like I'm, I'm drunk. I am, you know, going to people's houses. I'm fucking around. I'm doing everything that I'm not supposed to be doing. Um, as I don't know, as a, uh, some sort of like substitute for therapy or I, I don't know, but I think I had all this in my system and I needed to get it out somehow. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do it any other way than combining that with what I was good at as in form of nightlife and entertainment. And 
I think I think I just uh, I I went full blown, just knocked myself out like blackout every night for many months. And, and eventually, did that get out of your system? And did you start talking to people about what happened to uh, yeah do, deal with things? I did. I got it out of my system. Uh, I was very. I was starting to become very self-aware about, you know, okay, what I'm doing is wrong and I need to, I need to chill out. Um, and I, I started shifting my focus into, you know, talking to other, like, you know, like in forums online, because I think I needed a confirmation at some point that this was not all in my head and this is not my fault. And you know, I needed other people's stories to to sort of like make me feel nor like not normal, but that I'm not alone. And I needed some sort of comfort in knowing that this is not my fault. Like this can happen to anyone. And I went on forums and I read books and I had, you know, secretly, you know, like I followed all these like Instagram accounts for support for this and that. And I started really like reading up on domestic abuse and narcissism and stuff like that. And I, 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 that's when I learned that I've been with a a narcissist and like 1000% sure. And once I had like a diagnose on him, I was very, you know, it, it made much more sense to me that what I've been through was not my fault. And all of this time and like how, how I was feeling at the end that I, I'm not going to survive without him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to, I'm a nobody. I cannot, I am worthless. Now I started to feel I am worth worthy. And I started I started seeing all these other women online, how they were crying for help and they were going through what I've been going through for, you know, a couple of years prior to this. Right. And I just started reaching out and not reaching out in that way, but like giving them some, some of what comfort and that they're not alone and being that person that I wish that I had when I was going through this. Oh, this is emotional for me. (laughs) And yeah, because I never had, I didn't have a person to, that's been through this exact thing to talk to me about what is narcissism and it's this stereotype of uh, people and to to tell me that it's not my fault. Like I, I, I felt like I was all alone dealing with all of this and I got out of it on my own. But when I started you know, self-educating myself. I ended up on all these forums and I saw all these other women. I just, I just, my heart was bleeding for them because I don't feel like there's nobody that should go through this alone because I mean, I, I see cases of women going through this for like, my case was three years, but there's women out there who's gone through this for like 25 years and 15 years and seven years. And I don't know, like for a very long time. And, and, um, you know, they're just starting to like come out of it now. And it must be incredibly hard for them, especially if there's kids around. And I'm just, you know, beyond grateful that I, that I got out. So if I, if I got out of this and I can, uh, you know, share my story and help, then obviously that's, that's what I'm doing. And, um, 
talking to these other women, which is great, and help someone else be strong and hear what they needed, what I needed to hear at that time. So before we leave, what are the words that you want everyone to hear? My words would be that no matter how hard the situation is, you should always know that there is a way out. And there's always, always, always somewhere to go for help. And you should never be afraid to reach out no, no matter what. There is always a way out and things will get better. And the, the only way for it to get better is for you to to be strong and take that step to to leave, but you have to decide to leave mentally. You need to be ready to leave, but it will get better. Well, well, Ida, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show and for, um, you know, reaching out to me and to everyone else. Uh, You know, the big thing here is that we are not alone and you are not alone and we are, in this community now and I know that your story is going to help a lot of people so from the bottom of my heart thank you very much for being here today um, and talking with me thank you thank you so much for allowing me to share this it's I think it's important so I am very grateful for that so thank you well you're welcome and for everyone else out there who is listening I hope you have a good night.